0: This is episode number 49 with Dan Toshini of The Founder Podcast. Discover exactly what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur and what's possible through entrepreneurship from the greatest minds in business today. Welcome to The Founder
1: Podcast. Here's your host, Nathan Chan. Yes.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. Now I'm batching uh, quite a few of these recordings because I'm actually going to the States, which is very, very exciting. And today's guest, I'm planning to go hang out with Dan and a guy I connected, one of our community members, Jeff and... Yeah, just hang out and check out what these guys at The Grid have going on because, man, this was an epic interview. Now, I'm super, super pumped to bring this one to you guys. If you don't know anything about The Grid or you haven't heard of them, pretty much it's websites powered by artificial intelligence. So they're websites that build themselves and they grow over time It's crazy what these guys have going on, and the founder, Dan, just shares so much gold with us. They had an offer to be bought out by Facebook early on, all sorts of crazy stories. Before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to share with you one of my favorite quotes that uh, I've pulled from this episode. It's not something I usually do, but I just want to really, really get you guys excited for what's to come in this interview. Dan says... I'm just sick and tired of all the really small, stupid ideas. Make something crazy that's really freaking difficult to do. If you're going to be a tech entrepreneur, fall in love with the tech. Make something profound. A lot of people are thinking of this whole minimum viable idea of like, oh, I want to build an Instagram for cats or something. Instead of minimum viable, maximum viable. At least that's been our philosophy. So, look, I'm going to leave you guys to sit with that quote because there's a lot in that. And it just goes to show what it really takes and and the kind of mindset you have to do to do such game-changing and compelling work. Like what the guys at The Grid are doing. They are trying to disrupt the internet and how websites are built. So I highly, highly recommend you check out thegrid.io. It's crazy. I'm gonna I'm a founding member. I'm gonna be using the grid to create um my personal website, Nathanchanblog.com. So that's it from me, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did speaking with Dan. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. You know, tell your friends, you know, help spread the founder mission. It's great to hear from you guys. And the more and more people you tell, the more it helps us serve as many entrepreneurs as we can. All right, let's jump in. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you got your job?
1: <laughs> My job? I could kind of go go back a little bit, to kind of describe how I fell into the website problem and then ended up where I am now. So, um... You know, I did the technical thing at at Berkeley is doing computer science. Really didn't like the academic scene much. Kind of burnt me out from everything technical. And I went into actually diamond sales for about a year through a family friend in in Europe. It's really cool. It's a lot like narcotics. It's kind of dangerous and crazy. Um, Yeah, it's just random. And it was going going really well. And I needed some uh, kind of inventory, you know, tracking software with the website. The whole, you know, kind of standard web stuff, and I started getting some bids in, and they were just ridiculously expensive. Everything from like the initial build to the support contracts, and and then there's the gambit of bids, you know, like the, how how wide that gambit was. It was just crazy. I mean, there's you know, some people say they can do it for eight thousand dollars, some people say for sixty thousand dollars. So it just uh, it didn't feel right. So you know, I I studied programming. I figured it can't be that hard. And that was really my first, you know, foray into um a whole web stack and web development. And I just got addicted. I just really liked it. I just plugged in and basically never unplugged. And one day I was like, okay, instead of selling diamonds, what happens if I go sell kind of these newly gained interactive services I or, or skills I just acquired? And so I went out and tried to and sold some websites. And like the first day, I was just I killed it. It was like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars in sales. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is so cool. And It's just the opposite of diamonds, right? It's like a mm. pure abundance, not mm. scarcity. And anyway, so for the next five years or so, I, uh, I started a little kind of Gorilla interactive design firm with a couple of buddies and we just, you know, hop on, you know, any kind of proposals we can get in on like for iPhone apps, desktop software. We started doing a lot of motion graphics and stuff and, What's funny is, you know, we, I really hated doing websites, at, you know, at the end of the day, like websites were the worst and and largely just because no matter what you did, people weren't satisfied, right? Like if we built someone an iPhone app, it could be really expensive and take time and they understood that, you know, they're willing to pay for that. But if you built someone a website, it was the opposite. It was very commoditized. They were like, you know, I really want, you know, something that's simple and clean, which means, you know, really... You know, hard to execute, obviously, on the design side. And then they ultimately wanted to update it themselves. And and no no matter what we did, I did a lot of WordPress sites. I would install, you know, I'd put tutorials into the WordPress admin. So right when they log in, here's a tutorial on how to do these different things. And um, they still would come back with the same questions like, okay, how do I add a YouTube video? Or, you know, I want to add a shopping cart and this plugin I just installed is not working. And it was just this really frustrating process and really annoying. And, you know, the whole website problem was very kind of in my face. And I really wanted to to tackle it. But it took a really long time to kind of identify, you know, the principles and how people should interact with websites. And, And really, you know, the kind of existential questions around what is a website. And so, like, things like, one thing that's really important to the grid is, you know, content dictates form. So you just throw content in, and then all the design and everything kind of, you know, generates itself around the content to adapt to the content. And I remember, like, responsive web design, you know, was a, was a big trend and very you know, obviously clear win for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Interfaces adapt to different, you know, screen, different types of screens and different types of functions, um, you know, large screens, small screens. But more importantly, and it's something that I think the grids one of the first kind of people pushing it is, you know, our interfaces really need to adapt to the content and to the kind of context, you know, around the content. I think that's that's the biggest thing. So anyway, after like five years of kind of in the trenches, I was ready to go to product, full-time product development around the grid. And that was about three years ago. And at, around that time, I, I hooked up with uh, a co-founder of mine. His name is Brian Axe. He was a former Googler, a guy who brought Google AdSense to market, and he's just been just an amazing you know friend and also mentor in many ways on the product kind of management, well kind of life cycle on the, on the level I wasn't used to. So yeah, and then slowly you know teams started forming from there, and we're about 25 people now. Yeah, that's kind of how I arrived here.
0: Wow. I saw the grid, I was just fascinated by it, and then um we were connected. So I'm really curious, how did the idea come about? Because artificial intelligence for websites, like I told one of my friends yesterday that I'm speaking to, and he's like, yeah, I saw that, and I was just like, I'm so curious how this came about, how it all works, and I'm yeah. sure L our audience is. So can you give us a little bit of an insight? Because you guys haven't launched yet. You're just taking yeah.
1: pre-orders. Yeah, so really the... uh the whole AI thing, and when we say AI, there's a a lot can probably be kind of misread into that, but really it's just about, you know, kind of automating a lot of complex decisions that people have to make right now, mm-hmm. and that we're paying people to make manually. So, but the the whole AI thing really came out of the kind of algorithms I was researching. So things like constraint solvers, you know, classifiers, like stuff like in machine learning, and and you know, a lot of the website platforms, like think, like WordPress, you know, they're great for what they do, but they're really kind of built on really old technology, like very simple kind of engineering, right? Right? You take a a list of posts and you just render them in the order in which they appear in a kind of like manner, right? They all mm. kind of look the same. And so, you know, when I was getting ready to, to to build the grid, it was clear that you know, there's all there's been all these advances, like there's all these really cool algorithms out there and like kind of just cool, you know, programming, just, you know, gems from, from history that no one's really taken advantage of for websites or for any kind of web platform. And so I really wanted the stack to be kind of composed of those kind of more exotic things. And the idea is really simple, right? Like what do people want to do, right? You don't want to sit like, how can I phrase this? Okay. So a very early version of the grid, like it wasn't even a grid. This is like back when I was doing client work. This was like seven years ago was a kind of drag and drop builder, similar to things like Wix or Squarespace, Right.
0: Mm, yep. And
1: the moment I, I would sit people in front of this thing and show it to them, it was like, it was really clear why it didn't work. Right. It, it's like, Oh great. Now they, they focus all their time on making layout decisions, making designer decisions about color and topography when they weren't, they didn't have the training to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And all like, and then the, the, the most important thing, right? Like content is king. That was not what they did there. And then if you look at things like, like Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter, the things that we do on our free time, almost for fun, it's completely different than the web platforms and the website builders, right? Mm-hmm. Website builders are all focused around making designer type decisions. And so it's kind of obvious, like, whoa, how can we make it so you do the same thing you do on, you know, these social networks where you're just focusing on content and, and con- connecting those people through content, but you end up getting, on the other end, something as if a really great designer created it for you. So that was, like, the kind of impetus. And then um, the uh, the whole AI thing was just really because of uh, the type of algorithms we're using came out of, you know, the whole kind of AI research field. So it was an easy way to kind of describe what we're doing because if I said like you know it's a website you know platform built on you know finite domain constraint solvers and machine learning you know <laughs> you know like saliency map you know da 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 like all these crazy you know, terms you'd be like what the hell but AI is a really nice way to package that up you know
0: mm. so and just to unpack that a little there's a couple more questions around this piece you said that's it's not actually AI, it's it's st- stuff that is done manually in the background.
1: Yeah, so, well, so AI is a funny term. And, and you know, there's a kind of a, a nice distinction of soft AI versus hard AI. Mm-hmm. Hard AI is like you're trying to build a brain that thinks and does stuff like, you know, the whole Terminator AI, right, Skynet. That's not the AI we're talking about. We're talking soft AI. And that's really like if you if you kind of search AI on Google, like the definition, it's that kind of AI. It's basically automating what traditionally requires humans to do. Mm. And so that's, and when it comes to design, that's basically what we're doing. So right now, like when you have a bunch of images and text and you want to create a website out of it, there's a lot of design decisions that humans manually make right now so that we can basically kind of codify and kind of create this system that, and if you kind of input the best practices, it could kind of figure out a unique layout or unique design based on those those best practices, and that's basically what it does. I see. And I can, if you want, I can kind of shed some light on that.
0: Yeah, look, I I'm just fascinated by how this idea came about because when I saw it, <laughs> I watched the video. Like uh, you guys got your marketing down, Pat. I can see why you've almost pre-sold like twenty thousand licenses. Yeah. because you guys you guys you know you designed the story that you've told it was really impressive and i look at your team you've got like all these people with really impressive backgrounds so i yeah i just like to really just delve deep on this idea and and how it all came about because yeah. it's something like i've never seen before i just don't know how you thought of this yeah. and it's just it looks amazing <laughs> like seriously like it's Thanks. very impressive yeah. so Thanks. Yeah. Was, was this idea something that just just like popped into your head or you did it evolve as, as time went on? Like, how did you think this is how I'm going to do it? Or did it just come from starting, like you said, creating like a Wix kind of model, a kind of service and speaking to people and then iterating. And this is how it just came about. Or yeah, I just really like to understand and know how that happened.
1: Yeah, sure. One thing real quick, uh, that's really cool about our pre-order campaign. So we're the number one, uh, most successful consumer software crowdfunding campaign ever right now, which wow. is really cool. Traditionally, consumer software, um, and this is non-gaming consumer software, there has been games that have, you know, kind of had huge pre-order campaigns. And in terms of like the kind of product we're <laughs> producing, you know, the biggest one before us is App.net, and they had a pre order I think their sales were around eight hundred thousand. So yeah, we're that's really cool. It's just a great milestone and data point. Mm. But yeah, the the idea, you know. I think it was. It's just really been a kind of a slow baking of the principles of like content should dictate form. People should just focus on the content. It should be like a master designer is working for you around the clock, giving you ideas, suggesting things, and making it so you can't screw things up. Like you can't say, "I want the logo bigger." And if if, the, if, the, if, the, if you told that to like Massimo Vignelli or someone like a really great designer, he might tell you you know, you're wrong. Right. So really kind of having it. So it's like, you know, the, the service or the, you know, the grid is like almost like this intelligent designer working for you. Right. So it's like all these principles that we like really wanted to accomplish these things. It kind of like, it took a long time for it to develop. But I mean, I think those, those principles were there from the beginning, and that the beginning was about three years ago. So it's just, yeah, you know, it was a slow process. There was no like, I think the only eureka real moment like that, other than kind of the little wins we have in product development, when I was uh, with my wife, and um, this is right before we started going into full-time product development, and we're just laying down together, like uh, on a couch or something, I was walking around pacing, she's laying, and and she's like, you know, it's so frustrating, blah, 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 she's like, why can't just be like, you know, this brilliant designer working for me and why can't we just throw in the content blah, blah, blah. and it, it kind of really catalyzed in that moment. Cause we didn't use the term AI. It was just like basically why can't we have it be like it just designs itself, right? And at the time I was I was really deep into researching these this these tech constraint solvers. There's one in one in particular that We've released a library on um, called GSS or Grid Style Sheets. Anyway, if, if, if you looked that, that up, it's pretty cool. It's just like it's basically kind of like a a language for describing layout within CSS, and it's based on this algorithm called Kasuari, which uh, has a really interesting history. Um was created by this guy named Greg Badros in like 1998 as part of his PhD. And Greg's this brilliant guy who's recently retired from Facebook as a VP of product engineering, basically one of the top, like, five guys at Facebook. And this algorithm just kind of was like in lost in, like, kind of academic circles for 10 years. Until mm-hmm. Apple took it. And, that, and now all of Apple's operating systems uses this algorithm of compute layout. And so we I basically took that algorithm and brought it to the web. And now Greg is actually a good friend, and he's an investor in the grid. And I was kind of, you know, researching you know that at the time, and and that algorithm comes, like the history of it, comes from a lot of AI stuff. Oh. Um, so it kind of all just kind of fit together, you know. It was I like see. that that AI really matched the the, the principles we wanted to hit. So, and anyway. this
0: algorithm, just 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 a to touch on that, was that was that uh, patented? Did you have to purchase it, or?
1: Yeah, no. So uh, fortunately, Greg had open sourced it as a part of his PhD work. You know, it's the beauty of open source. Um, you know, the algorithm is very low level, and it's really not has doesn't have to do with the the kind of core AI. It's just in in that kind of field, and it's it's just something that we use on the grid and how we construct the layouts. Everything with the typography or kind of you know kind of layout like typographic design is so subtle. And so much more complex than you initially mm. think. You know, like yeah. when you think like you build a layout; it's not that hard. It's freaking hard, right? I mean, mm. CSS—it's hard to even enter something. It's ridiculous. And then the, the things that we want to accomplish are like, you know, there's just so much subtle crap around it. So we have to kind of build all this tech around it. Oh man, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, where where are we at? Yeah.
0: Well, look, you you guys are disrupting a massive industry like a massive space or, or move like you know the internet in in to to a certain extent so I, i'd like to touch on that but before i do i still want to go back to the grassroots so you've come up with this idea you've kind of stubble it all came together so what was next did you need to get funding how did you validate this concept or did you guys just launch and this launch that's going on right now was the validation period or or how did that work
1: yeah so you know, initially we just kind of self-funded ourselves, and then probably about six months into it, we had a very small seed round with kind of family friends. Kind of showed the initial idea, some early prototypes, and we, uh, for the first like year and a half, was very deep R and D. What we did was very untraditional uh, with startups. It wasn't the minimum viable viable product, right? Yeah, we were going to areas of research that it's probably dangerous for startups to go just because the, the, the how much time it takes. And, and, you may not, you may not come out last, right. You may have just wasted a bunch of time, but, uh, you know, it just, it was like the, with how aggressive our, our goals were. It's like, it felt like it's what we needed to do. You know, very early on in that stage, we started kind of making some, some progress, not very well about a you know, year or so. In. And, and at that time, we actually, out of the blue, got a, a, a buyout offer from Facebook. Oh, wow. we walked away from. Yeah. And this is a time, and we had like, there's only a, a handful of us, like four of us, and we barely had, you know, prototypes to kind of show for for what we had. But the theory and the kind of the computer science is very solid, right? So, we, you know, it didn't make sense to sell because the moment this is out there, we're just worth so much more.
0: Mm. Um, and how long anyway, was
1: this in? This is a, probably about yeah, about a year and a half in. Okay. It's been about maybe three and a half years now. It mm. was like two years ago, a year and a half ago. I don't know. You know, we, we kind of had the, a, our fundraising strategy was very just as we need it, we, we kind of get it. So it was a rolling strategy. So the first uh, two years, we just slowly raised money um, when we needed it. And then we did a Series A, and that lasted for quite a while. And then, yeah, that recently closed right around launch. And then we're actually starting our Series B right now. So, yeah, it's just, you know our, our strategy around fundraising has been, you know, don't waste a lot of time on it, but, you know, always be kind of fundraising. This just worked out, I guess. Yeah,
0: I see. And when you said that uh, you were going into heavy R&D, which was – quite yeah. dangerous, What? why Why did you keep going? Why, what What compelled you guys to keep keep going through that? Yeah,
1: well, one of the principles that was important to us is the platform first, you know, the technology to be real. Like, we didn't want to build, and this is no offense against Rails or anything, but we just want to build, like, a Rails app thing. You know, mm. we launched in three months. You know, we wanted to own the platform, and we wanted the platform to be... Kind of, you know, ten years ahead of everything else, as much as we could, right? So, we, we invested a lot of time in building the tools. And before that, it was, <laughs> what tools are needed, right? You know, I think it's just one of those things. that just there's just no other way, like, for me to do it. I don't know, but we've launched a couple, you know, developer tools pretty successfully. Uh, one of those is GSS or Grid Style Sheets. You, if you just search GSS on Google, it comes up that project we launched did really well. We had like a couple hundred thousand visitors in the first month or two. And but a lot of big people are using now like engineers at Facebook and stuff. And, and then another big tool we launched was this one called flow hub or no flow is a, a platform that uses that, but, uh, or I mean a, a, a part of that tool chain. And we actually, we actually launched a Kickstarter around flow hub. And we got, in the, at the time, top five most successful Kickstarters for software. Oh, wow. And uh, it's a really cool tool. If you see Flow Hub, it's just a visual programming environment. It's basically a way of defining your software logic on visual graphs. And what's cool is like, so we, we have these different kind of pieces to our stack, and Flow Hub's one of them, and GSS is another, and we have a bunch of more internal internal ones. And, and, and they all stand on their own, but combined together, it's, very cool. And so to kind of describe the metaphor, so FlowHub Hub, you, do, you, def- you define these visual graphs of software logic, right? Like a, like a network of graph, almost like a neural network, right? It looks like, you know, all these little nodes and wires and things are firing around. And then we have these other things like these constraint solvers that are basically really strong at making complex decisions or solving puzzles, which is a lot what, like, design is. Or create and design for your content is very similar to solving a puzzle, right? And and then we have things like machine learning, which is kind of how it improves itself over time. And so if you can combine those in our stack, and combine those together, and that's kind of like our our AI brain, right? You have this kind of this this neural network, this graph of like how logic kind of flows through the system. Then you have these pieces that are like you know this is decision making, and this is the part that improves and learns. So, you know, it kind
0: of fits itself to the whole AI thing. Hmm, I see. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say you're you're a super talented guy, very very technical. When it came to the launch, and when did you guys launch? Like you've done this public launch, it's like a crowdfunding campaign, but just on your own platform. When did you guys yeah. launch?
1: That was uh, October eighth, I believe it was.
0: Yep. And say. yeah. You've, you've received almost, I had a look last night, almost 20,000 people have pre-ordered the service, yeah. the yearly service yeah. license. So the what's, yeah, look, you have you guys have smashed it. So my next piece is, I've really got a really good understanding of your story. It, it's really fascinating. Um, so with the launch, what can our audience learn from launching like you guys have? Like you've got an amazing mm. story. You've, you've got your marketing down pat. You know, what what are some really big things that our audience can take away from, you know, everything yeah. that you guys have accomplished and learned and done so far?
1: You know, around crowdfunding in particular, we've learned a lot. Particularly because we did first the the flow hub campaign on Kickstarter and then the grid on our own on our own kind of platform, right? Outside of Kickstarter or anything like that. We uh I met with this president of a company it's called Oya Oya. I don't know if you remember that. It's it was originally like an Android gaming system, but their 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 Kickstarter did amazing. They had, they got like you know, upwards, of, I don't know, seven million, eight million, a lot of money. Mm. The gaming hardware especially gets a lot of money. Mm. And he told me he's like, you know, the way to look at crowdfunding is not really it's not a way to raise funds. If you're fundraising you're gonna and you're good at in you know, investors can in give you more money than you're gonna get out of this. But the what's really powerful about this is it is it is that it's a way to, you know, get exposure but most importantly, turn press into money. And so the most mm. important thing for a successful crowdfunding campaign is to you know, you used to need a lot of press. So that was that was a big, you know, kind of principle that made a lot of sense, I guess. I think the, the most important thing is it's gotta be something that's interesting enough that people write about it, right? And it's a whole the whole PR kind of thing. I never it was my first kind of you know playing around with all that stuff. Is the press really does help? What else? Uh, oh man! You know, for us, I think the most important thing was practicing before we did the big one. Like the grid was our second campaign or third our third launch for our company. Really, mm. the first one was the Flow Hub Kickstarter. The second one was GSS, the third one was the grid. Mm. So we had practiced, you know, our team. Like it's funny, like we joke, like we you know, we It's almost like we have three or four startups within our startup, mm. and so we went through the, the whole process of like, you know, getting all the materials ready, like you know, the press lined up, getting you know, you know, the website ready, and you know, all the all the stuff you have to do is like you know retargeting and. Just that whole uh, whole shebang. After doing it twice, we were kind of really ready to do the really important one, which is the grand. So I think just the practice really helped. So if there's any way you can launch something that's not as critical as your most important launch, right? And to see, you know, just go through it, so you're not sitting there like wondering what do I do next, or you know, in it kind of in the dark. I think that's really important. Oh, that, at least it helped us. It helped us a lot.
0: Hmm. I see. And what is, what, like, you've got a like when I looked at the team, you've got some, like, some people with some seriously impressive backgrounds and accomplishments already. How did you structure that team? How did that come about?
1: You know, this is the, I think been the big benefit of the whole platform first strategy that we've taken. And so like what happened, like with our engineering whole recruiting strategy has just been, you know, we, we develop these, these tools like GSS and Flow Hub and Noflow. And basically the guys in the community that rise up who are really good and who are you start giving conference talks about our our technology, who start, you know, talking to us and contributing on GitHub and who are really active, that becomes our hiring pool. I so see. you know, that's the that's our kind of our kind of long term strategy and what's really was just worked out really great for us. The initial hires though, the first two that were most important was Henry and Lee. Lee is the uh he's our kind of creative lead. he he's a dude who was behind um uh, uh the design for medium. He's mm. the first design hire uh, those guys. Um and Henry is just uh brilliant programmer he's actually one the whole, all the flow hub no flow stuff is really his brainchild. and he's like a leading figure in that in that area he's so like this like you know like the keynote uh, talk at the you know, conference and stuff and basically you know i was just fortunate to land those two guys like with henry who was on github we started just you know you know talking it up like i i was just really frustrated with the state of kind of a lot of the web frameworks and all the different kind of tools just felt like it's still old, and they're just missing something. And we just started kind of complaining about things together and sharing. You know, I was working on these constraint stuff like GSS, and he was working on this things like Flow Hub and this these flow-based programming. And it just made sense. You know, you know, I was lucky to to get him. And same thing with Lee it was just like, I found his work on on Behance and, uh, yes, yes. That's how yeah. I've
0: recruited designers too. That's that's a good tip right there for the audience. Be hands yeah, exactly. and dribble. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. GitHub for engineers and, and be hands and dribble and, and just like kind of make sure your your visions align and that was really it. And then the rest of it came mainly through our, our open source tools.
0: I'm loving this conversation, Dan. I could pick your brain all day, man, but we have to work towards wrapping up. Couple of last questions. One, how is launch like go live coming coming along? And and is there any? I'm sure you've had some hiccups and struggles and roadblocks. Can you tell us a little bit about those? And then also, when do you plan to launch?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So launch um, is end of spring. So we've kind of just marked the, you know the actual end of spring as the absolute deadline, and we want to make sure we want to release stuff before that in the spring being like, you know, like the summer solstice is the absolute last day, but we'll have stuff out before that. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I I guess the, the, some of the the bumps in the road were, were more like, you know, after we launched the website and that all that craziness of kind of getting everything together and all the late nights and stuff, Hmm. there was like about a month afterwards that we just, like the whole team was dead. We couldn't do anything. It was like, you know, like it was very hard to get back started after after that. So it was nice having the pre-order campaign be quite a bit away from the actual launch, so we can kind of rev things back up. And so now, yeah, we're just we're going full blast, working on getting um the next thing that we're going to do is is get another site up, which is going to be my website. And then after that, we're going to get some other team members' sites up. And then we're going to start to allow, um certain, certain people to kind of, you know, get their sites up. So kind of slowly roll out, you know, more and more sites. And the big, the, the core focus for us is, is in having the, the engine produce variation in the design. Mm-hmm. So right now, like, if you were to put your content in, you would, it would be too, it, you could kind of tell it would be, Similar to the grid site, you know, it'd be different colors, different sections. But it would still be a almost too similar, right? And that's mm. the the thing that no matter what, it's really got to have variation. Yeah. Um. So that it looks like a completely custom design, and and all the the groundwork's there. It's just now that it's like basically what we have to do is feed a lot of uh, rules into the system, and uh, things like different types of color systems. So like the grids website it's a very adaptive color system. We don't really focus us on color palettes more on color systems. So like the Grids website, when you scroll through it, you'll notice that there's a lot of colors that we didn't pick any of those colors, right? We didn't pick any of those sections. All the colors were extracted from the content. So it's a very adaptive color system, but there's also color systems that are are more militant in, in, in terms of like, you know, go towards this brand color, right? This red or this brown. And so, you know, when you combine things like different color systems with, you know, different types of layouts, with different types of animations, with different types of rounded corners and different types of textures, you start to really get a really unique, you know, look and feel, almost like a designer creates something custom for you. So that's what our focus is right now, is just feeding the system with more variations so that when you get a website, it's it's basically your, 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 your website is the only one that looks like that. So... That's what we're just working really hard to to make sure that happens.
0: I see. And you said you this has kind of been something that was conceptualized in your mind seven years ago. Was there any point in time that you felt like giving up? Like, what have what has been some of your biggest struggles? <laughs>
1: That's a good question. You know, I I think you, it's like you know I've never really seriously considered giving up. Yeah, I think you just kind of if, if that thought pops up, you just gotta kill it. <laughs> <You> yeah, <know? laughs> yeah. At least, especially if you're like the founder, right? I mean, it's just it's like you can't entertain anxieties, right? Yeah, so you have to just march on. I think one of the big struggles was when Facebook gave us the offer very early on. It was it was very hard to walk away, and at the time we had an engineer who's no longer with us. And we were a very small team, and he was really wanted to go. Um, and so when we walked away, he actually ended up leaving the team. Oh, and we were a very small team at the time, so it was like, oh, shit. And so, uh, you know, that was difficult. And uh, what else? Oh, man, it's just like difficulties around, like, like I, I like just getting into the engineering and the product and the you know, design side of things all the freaking other stuff, like the emails and the meetings, it's like, oh, God, that's the worst. I can't, I can't handle that shit. That's, that's
0: the worst. Yeah, I know what you mean. I can see you're very technical. You, you love just getting in, playing, and just bringing something to life. I, I can really see that. What are your visions for the future of the grid, and where do you see it going in disrupting this, the internet? I, I like to say the internet because it's it's crazy. Like You guys are trying to disrupt how websites are built
1: yeah I know, and like it's funny, like websites are i mean they're like the atomic building block of the web, they have mm. been completely yeah. ignored and by you know the big tech companies right I mean Google had this really crappy website builder but, and there's been no like there's no no answer there right there's no incumbent what, what's funny is um this is a really interesting time, like we have this one chart um in one of our sort of investor docs that shows you know the whole website market and right now. There's actually not that many websites relative to, and in terms of internet scale, there's only like 600 million websites or something, mm. approximately. And in terms of website, or in internet scale, that's small, right? There's more than a billion users on Facebook. Mm. But the growth of websites right now is it's accelerating, like, really fast. And, and pretty soon in the next four or five years, the number of websites is going to you know, be greater than the number of internet users. And the growth is just accelerating, and there's no established solution to serve, to service the field. I mean, WordPress is the biggest one, but it only owns, like, 15 to 18% of the market. And to put that in perspective, like, look at search. Right? Google owns about 70% of search. The second biggest thing, which is, like, you know, nothing compared to Google in search, they have about 15 18%. So we're talking like the biggest one in the website space is actually really small, right? So there's like it's wide open field. I think it's really exciting, um, yeah, you know, the opportunity to kind of, you know, whoever owns that space is going to be kind of in a very important role for the Internet. And so like for us, like in, in the near future, like we're focused, like we want to be the number one solution, like the leaders for websites. And you know, websites. I think suffer from this existential thing. Like, what the hell is a website? Is Facebook a website? You know, is your Facebook page a website? Is, is Google a website? Is you know, like, what is a website? And I think that um, as we, you know, our vision for the website is is very big and more than just you know blogs and stuff. So I think uh, I'd like to see how we can kind of just go from website to to, you know, more than that and just have like our kind of AI designer design more than websites, right? Eventually things like, you know, what we consider apps today, stuff like that. And then, you know, to me, like the technology behind the grid really solves the the kind of 2D interface problem that a lot of people face. And really long-term thinking, you know, to me, like, I think there's really exciting opportunities and how you go from 2D to beyond and how you you interact with information in those environments in a really intelligent way. I think that's exciting. So, you know, obviously, you know, really crazy long-term vision of going from like, you know, AI websites to, you know, interfaces that aren't 2D. I think that's, that's where we're, you know, just keep nerding out, keep finding crazy ways to apply this, this stuff. So,
0: yeah, okay, no, I love it. Um, this is really, really inspiring. <laughs> Last question: How do you keep your team
1: motivated? Uh, the engineers we hire, we really put a lot of faith in them. So, really, kind of giving them control over their domain and and uh, giving them a lot of freedom, I think, is really important. Like, I know as my, for myself, you know, like if I had a very structured environment, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't thrive if I try to break break the rules. So we, we look for those kind of people except for our environment. like, that's our culture. So I think giving them a lot of freedom and giving them really difficult problems and vague, vague projects, like figure out how to do this. And then they can kind of play whatever they want. as long as they can kind of figure it out. Like, like, for example, I can tell you a problem. One of our engineers tackled in a really great way So like, when you have an image and say a part of that image has a low contrast area or like negative space. So you have like, you take a picture of a tree against a a blue sky. There may be a a section of the blue sky on the left that's large and that's suitable to put text on top of without a background because it's it's like a very low contrast background. And so we like, Hey, yeah, you know, like figure out the best way to do this. And, you know, so he would really find all these cool research papers and that, you know, we use this, uh, this a thing called Paliancy Maps, which he employed. And, and, you know, he just really kind of had a lot of fun with it. And it was a very big, big project. And the same kind of thing, like, in that same engineer, like, you know, on his free time, um, we do a lot of uh, analysis of the content you post on the grid. So we can kind of find a, a good design for it. So we detect if there's faces in the picture, obviously. But, we, but he went a step further. And he started adding, like, are the faces smiling? Are they, are they like, what's the expression on the face? Like, you have a sentiment of the picture. Things like that. So kind of open-ended, like, you know, how can we, you know, extract the sentiment of a, uh, from a photo? Um, and just let them run with it. I think that's, if you find the great engineers, I think that's the way you motivate them, you know? Really hard problems and a lot of freedom. Mm,
0: yeah, that's a great one. Okay, well, look, Um, really enjoyed our conversation, Dan. We've got, I got a lot of gold from you. It's a lot, really fascinating story. Like, Thank you for just sharing and, and really giving it your all. Is there any final last pieces that you'd like to finish off on, any questions that I didn't ask you that you wanted me to ask that you'd like to share with our audience of aspiring, novice and early stage entrepreneurs and startup founders?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I've, I've been talking a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the and the high level thing in, in terms of general startups and all that is, uh, I just I, I'm just sick and tired of all the really small like, stupid ideas. Like, make something crazy <laughs> is really freaking difficult to do. Like, not if you're going to be in a tech company, fucking, so you got to be tech. Like, you got to like. I don't understand how a lot of the. Uh, if I was going to, you know, be you know a fashion designer. Like, I got to fall in love with fashion, right? So, the same thing with tech. Like, if you're going to do software, you got to fall in love with it. And there's a whole culture there that there's these gems just waiting to be extracted and used. That you, 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 it's not just a business, like from a business perspective, but from like the in, the inside, you can find it, right? And pull it out and use it in the way that no one's used it. And I think that there's so many things like these constraint solvers and the AI stuff could be used and applied in so many fields. It's just, you know, a lot of people are thinking this whole minimum viable idea of like, oh, I want to build a, you know, Instagram for cats or something. <laughs> um, I think, you know, instead of minimum viable, fucking maximum viable. At least that's been our philosophy. Mm. So,
0: Yeah, no, that was awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And um, yeah, look, thank you for taking the time. Absolute pleasure. The Founder Podcast has come to a close, but it's not time to sleep. It's time to hustle. Download the Richard Branson issue of Founder Magazine for free right now by visiting foundermag.com slash Branson. Again, that's an absolutely free download of the Richard Branson issue of Founder Magazine containing an exclusive interview with the man himself. It's only available at foundermag.com slash Branson. So download it now, and we'll see you next time on the Founder Podcast we